Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share the inspiring story of someone who has faced their share of vulnerability and been able to find success and fulfillment. We hope all our stories will help you find the strength within yourself to live the life you want and find success of your own. Madeline Langle said, When we were children, we used to think that when we were grown up, we would no longer be vulnerable. But to grow up is to accept vulnerability. To be alive is to be vulnerable. This is episode 5 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Godwin Chan. Growing up, he was the shy guy. The one who turned bright red and would sweat every time he'd have to speak in front of people. He always focused more on his academic success than he did on social status. It wasn't until high school that he began taking chances and decided that facing his fears was his only way through them. Now a recent grad, he's gained experience in nonprofit organization management, event planning, and molecular biology and bioinformatics research. After deciding to put himself out there on LinkedIn, he began attending networking events, which for a once timid guy took him way outside of his comfort zone. This led him to his current role as the assistant event manager of Discover Your Personal Brand, a startup that offers personal branding events, development, training, and resources to empower working professionals to kickstart and maintain their personal brand journey. He's also the co-founder and CEO of Motif Insights, an SaaS platform and online community where early stage startups can acquire beta testers, record feedback, and plan the launch of new products. An aspiring author, he's presently writing his first book on his transformation from a shy, reclusive child to a confident, well-adjusted adult. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Godwin Chan. Hey, Godwin, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. Um, I'm glad to have you here, and I know a little bit about your story from the couple of years that uh, we've sort of been building our friendship, and I think it's one that's uh, definitely going to be interesting and, and uh, helpful for, to our guests. So again, thank you for coming on. Likewise. Awesome. So the first question I start every podcast with is what is your definition of vulnerability? For sure. And I think, first of all, uh, I think this question is very interesting. (laughs) You kind of typically think of vulnerability as, you know, as, as a negative and let's say like, Oh, you know, you're vulnerable because you have a gap in your armor or, you know, you have other uh, kinds of vulnerabilities where it's, it's always portrayed as something that you shouldn't have. But I like to think of it in the opposite manner, something that you should have. In the sense that, uh, to me, vulnerability means being able to be open and honest with uh, everyone around you without compromising one's sense of self-worth. Hmm. That's a... <laughs> Sorry, was that it? Sorry, I don't know if I caught you off there. <laughs> um, but if, if that was, uh, that that was a definitely a different one than I've heard so far. And um, I think puts it, puts it, makes it pretty clear in terms of, uh, in terms of the way I, I would look at it as well. I mean, the whole point of this podcast, as people can see the name, is vulnerable, able being capitalized. And so what you made the point of looking at it as, you know, a strength almost, uh, I think is a better way to definitely look at it than than sort of how you started that off and explaining what most people might think of it. Uh, appreciate that. And then, uh, and I like it. <laughs> yeah, I, um, recently I'm very interested in being very short and concise with things. So. Yeah, well, that's uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, so wh- what would you say would be your earliest memory of facing or going through a situation of, of vulnerability in your life? <clears throat> For sure. So, uh, kind of one earlier one, uh, is definitely back in my high school days. And so, so to give a little bit of context, uh, in my elementary, middle school days, I did not like to talk to anyone. Um, and so it wasn't out of, you know, spite or anything. It was just, I just like to be alone. And I like to, you know, spend time alone, like to uh, do things by myself, uh, things like that. And, you know, I hated presentations, hated all the time it was it was just terrible it was basically like you have to get up right go to the front of the class have you know 28 pairs of eyeballs staring at you um you know and you have you and your flight uh fight and flight you know syndrome kicks in <laughs> your adrenaline kicks in and then you're just trying to stand there and not look like a beat and try not to sweat and 
you know, trying to talk in a coherent way. And for me, it was always a, it was always a struggle. My teachers tried everything in the book, everything from, okay, everyone turn around uh, to everyone leaving the room. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it got really bad to the point that I had to go see a clinical psychologist to help me with, um, overcoming that, you know, kind of, uh, shyness, social anxiety, low self-esteem, uh, that sort of thing. And so by the time, you know, it, high school rolled around, it was much better. You know, it was much better, uh, integrated within the social fabric of school, uh, you can say. And so by the end of grade 12, I was pretty, pretty comfortable, you know, had a lot of friends, uh, you know, getting ready to go to university and whatnot. And what was interesting was at the end of the year, of course, right, every graduate in class has to have a valedictorian, right? And so one day in June, I was just strolling down the hall uh, of my school and I saw a notice. I was like, okay, call for, you know, valedictorian. Uh, candidates to kind of, you know, uh, audition in front of the entire graduating class of 2013. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, it's now or never. Why not? So I, I just had to sign up on a whim and I just went for it. And, you know, um, there's basically a, a uh, grad lunch or luncheon or sort of thing. Uh, where we got the entire graduating class in the cafeteria. More than 28 um, eyeballs, I would assume. <laughs> yeah, it was more like 250 now. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, and, and, you know, we had about uh, four or five different candidates, I remember. And, you know, I was the first one to go because they obviously, they sorted by alphabetically by last name. And, of course, my last name starts with C. So <laughs> I had the honor of going first. And, look, I mean you know, all the, um, fire flight, uh, you know, symptoms kicked in again. Uh, but this time it was a little different because, you know, one, I was more prepared. I had actually had, you know, a, a sheet with my speech on it, which I, uh, prepared the night before, which you shouldn't do. because <laughs> <laughs> um, I had presentations last minute because I felt like, you know, winging, winging some aspect, my presentations made it feel more natural and less robotic. Uh, so that was my thinking about them. And, you know, second of all, you know, I knew most people. So it was more, you know, including students, teachers, whatnot. So it was, it was more kind of comforting than, you know, presenting to a group of random strangers. And so I went up, I was doing my speech and, you know, I, you know, I, I was looking back at my very old 2013 Microsoft Word document on this. Uh, the other day, it was a uh, very interesting read. <laughs> it kind of encapsulates what my thinking was uh, at the time. Of course, most of it was just, you know, uh, banal platitudes about, oh, you know, we're going to the next next step of our lives and, and, and all that, you know, kind of fluff. <laughs> but, uh, you know, near the end, I did provide some kind of interesting insights in in the sense that, you know, um, because I like to do, I like to use metaphors. And uh, back then, you know, one particular metaphor that uh, always stuck with me was that life is truly a beautiful struggle. And so, of course, you can think of it as kind of an oxymoron in the sense that, you know, how can a struggle be beautiful? But you know, at the end of the day, that's what life is, uh, to me at least, right? Because you have the beautiful and the ugly. <laughs> And, um, so, you know, no matter what part of your life you're in, um, I take solace in the fact that it's a beautiful struggle. And, you know, I also talked about a lot about, uh, overcoming setbacks and, and, um, you know, really being able to yeah, overcome setbacks, barriers, uh, things that are holding, things that are holding us back. And last but not least, I, for some reason, I, ended up singing a song uh, during my speech. Now, it wasn't any, sing uh, any you know, old song. It was actually the, uh, the jingle, the Just Keep Swimming jingle, if you've ever seen uh, Finding Nemo. Yeah, yeah. It's been song. a while, but yeah. <laughs> no, just Keep Swimming, Just Keep Swimming, like that one. <laughs> um, and look, that to me was always, that, 
that to me was the crux of the entire message of my valedictorian speech, right? When life gets you down, you just gotta keep swimming, right? Um, so it was it was interesting. I I was I was looking at the at the audience. People, you know, were were kind of like, what? <laughs> you know? uh, so it was interesting, you know. And uh, after that, you know, collapsed in my chair. I was like, oh, okay, thank goodness, it's done, right? And uh, what was interesting was afterwards, people were coming up to me, you know, and, and of course, you know, voting uh, came after, right? And so uh, people started coming up to me, and you know, and even people who I didn't normally uh, talk to uh, a whole lot during high school came up to me and like, hey, I loved your speech. I actually voted for you, blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of touched by that. It's like, oh, you know, little old me can deliver some old speech and can actually impact a whole bunch of people right and so that was kind of a uh a cue to me that really you know just plain old storytelling can uh actually be very impactful to uh, the lives of many so that's an early story <laughs> an early <laughs> story of me uh being open vulnerable just just sharing my story my thoughts uh, with a big crowd, relatively big yeah. crowd. Well, putting it out there, I mean, that, I, uh, like putting yourself out there, sorry, I mean, is, is definitely not easy at any time. And, and for you to, you know, when you started that story, you said, you know, it was, it was impossible for you to do in front of 28 pairs of eyeballs. And now, you know, high school valedictorian, 250 pairs of eyeballs. Like, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big change and, and something that probably wasn't easy to overcome. What would you say made either those earlier situations of speaking in front of people or even the, the valedictorian um, speech? What do you think made those situations seem so unbearable and so impossible to you? Um, to me, I think it does come from a deep sense of insecurity in the fact that, oh, if you know, I put myself out there, and I say something wrong, people will always hold me for it. <laughs> in the sense that, oh, you know, you just made, you know, you, know, you just um, said an offhand phrase that um, will compromise your sense of character or will compromise your image or, or, or things like that. So I was always very, very conscious of how others thought of me. I'm much better now uh, in terms of not caring <laughs> but okay. uh you know during those early days it was especially uh prevalent and and how i you know kind of connected myself you know i didn't want to be want to stir up any trouble just you know kind of you know just the nice shy kid in class uh what got their work done and and was very friendly with everyone and didn't like to be confrontational so um uh, and really that, that was it that was just uh you know, thinking way too much about how others perceive me uh, as an individual. And that really uh, was a detriment to my sense of self-esteem, uh, my self-worth. Um, yeah, and and second thing is that back then, my sense of self-worth uh, was very tied to my academic for, uh, performance. Um, so, you know, I took pride in myself that I did well in school. Uh, and and things like that and you know the worst part of school is when people start comparing marks on tests for me it was i'm i'm not you know a very fiercely competitive person but i did you know like to get the uh, adrenaline boost you know think that oh i was in the top 10 percent of the class or, or something um and you know when when you see that you didn't perform as well as some other people right then uh, it did take a hit. It was like, oh, you know, I took it personally. It was like, oh, I didn't do as well. I didn't blame others as much, but it was like, oh, I need to be better <laughs> next time. Yeah. No, and that makes sense. I think a lot of us definitely struggle with that whole thought of, well, comparison's a killer is something I constantly say. That's that's something that I think all of us do, no matter whether it's academically or just in life. And I don't think it matters young, old, whatever. I think it's just something that we all do. And obviously, you know, with social media and stuff like that these days, it just makes it that Yeah, much social media exacerbates this. <laughs> but, uh, but no, definitely, I, I, I can definitely understand 
um, you know, how those things might have affected you at an early age, especially when they're probably harder to understand at that age. Now that you've grown up and you're in your adult years, um, it's probably a little easier to understand. And plus, you had said that you had gone through some things to, to, to help you with that. Um, so how would you say, aside from, I think you mentioned just um, some psychology at, a, at an earlier age, how would you say you overcame uh, these situations, whether it's, you know, tools, tricks, whatever, like how, how did you, how would you say you overcame it? I think for me, uh, definitely it was the gradual process. Uh, for me, there was nothing really special in the book uh, other than just going for it, just, just uh, as much exposure as possible. So, um, you know, you know, in psychology, there, ha there are uh, kind of studies that you know, have shown that um, just re repeated, um, you know, repeated exposure to a, you know, a certain stimulus that uh, attracts fear, right, uh, may help in, you know, reducing the fear, right, of, uh, of whatever it is. So, if, you know, let's say, you know, someone's, uh, you know, afraid of, afraid of a spider, for example, uh, you can uh, show them, you know, in the beginning, pictures of spiders, uh, then videos of spiders, then an actual spider. Um, and of course, not, not to say that this will work for everyone, <laughs> right? but for, at least for me, um, just, you know, uh, just taking slow steps in terms of, oh, you know, finding that small group of uh, friends who I really connected with um, during my school days. You know, that we had a lot to talk about and, and that uh, we had a common kind of personality uh, helped and then you kind of uh, build, up, build it up from there you know in terms of oh you know you know school will always give you presentations so okay so it's like just just practice just do it right uh, just don't think about it too much because I have the uh, ten also the tendency to overthink a lot of things and so it's like okay just block out the noise just stop doubting yourself and, and just go for it. Um, and definitely I think in high school, because I went, so back the elementary and middle school days, uh, I was, I was put into the special program. It was called the enhanced learning program. And it was for people who, you know, scored high on an IQ test sometime. <laughs> and so, you know, we got kind of, uh, "Quote unquote extra learning opportunities for to help you know cultivate our our young minds and things like that." And in high school, I went to you know a school that had this program, and and so a lot of uh, my peers were you know in the same enhanced learning program and things like that. So you know I got to connect uh, with these sorts of people on a on a deeper level, uh, just because they would there they were more kind of um, academically driven uh, than, let's say, your normal high school uh, population. And, you know, they were very also driven to do a lot of extracurriculars and, and things like that. So for me, that environment really, um, really fostered uh, kind of my, um, yeah, my curious mind and, and really helped me find a sense of belonging. Like, oh, you know, these peers are also very interested in all these different types of kinds of things. Um, and, you know, that, you know, was a, was a great help in, in, during my journey. No, so one of my earlier guests, um, Brian Schulman, he kept repeating uh, the sentence, uh, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think that ties to what you were saying there is like, if you face those fears, if you keep getting uncomfortable with yourself, eventually it, it becomes comfortable. And then I think, you know, as well, one big point to take away from there is uh, the way I would, I guess, summarize it is you found your tribe, essentially. You found the people that, you know, were, you know, similar to you and that you showed you that you're not so different, that you're, that you're, there was that relatability um, to the people that you were surrounding yourself with, which definitely, definitely helps. And uh, something that I'm hoping to achieve with this podcast is showing people, you know, that you're not alone and that there's, you can be relatable to, you know, 10, 15, 20, 100 other people, whatever it might be. And, and I think that helps to help me, you know, especially in the struggles that I've gone through over the last couple of years. 
Right. So what, what new strength did you discover in yourself through all this? Like what, you know, was it confidence? Was it something like that? Like what new strength did you find in yourself co- going through all this? I think uh, for me, definitely one new strength was the ability to uh, really relate to others, talk to others, network with others. And so uh, what I mean by that is, you know, because, you know, I didn't like to really like to uh, talk to others uh, during my childhood. Right. And, And now, you know, it's, it's totally normal for me to, you know, go on uh, coffee chats and, and um, you know, networking events of all kinds. So, and it's come natural for me that, you know, that sense of, uh, for me, building my own community uh, has been something that has naturally emerged from this transformation of sorts. And, you know, and... Uh, it has been quite an interesting, you know, journey, uh, especially during the past couple of years, right? Uh, with my kind of experimentation with with LinkedIn and uh, and other social networks, you know, just in terms of building online communities, but not only online communities, but also moving them offline. And so, that to me was one strength that I gained throughout this whole kind of experience. Yeah, I guess improving your social skills essentially, which I mean yes, is important. Basically. Yeah. It uh, seems very it seems very simple, but at the end of the day, that's something that did not come I was not born with it. I did not it did not come naturally to me. So I just, I really had to fight and work, you know, for it. Uh you know, as opposed to, you know, kind of my uh natural talent in academics, that just came naturally to me. Like I did not need to go to multiple tutors, for example, uh, or after school programs to you know, help, uh, you know, build my academic acumen. It was more so, look, you know, if I just studied, if I just studied the textbook or, or the slides for a couple of days, I'm just ready for a test, right? And, and so, um, you know, just school in general just came much more naturally to me than social skills. And that, probably goes the same for a lot of people uh, in this world. So, you know, the social aspect was something that I really need to actively work on. No, definitely. And I think one thing that uh, comes to mind as you say that, and I, I think this may be important for a lot of people to, to sort of realize, I think socializing in general, especially in like networking and, and, large groups it's I don't think it's personally I don't think it's easy for anybody I mean I've been in sales my entire life so socializing with people is not hard for me to do on a one-to-one basis I'm really good at it but even when I step into networking events a lot of times it takes me you know a good 10-15 minutes of just standing there and sort of observing the room before I dive in right so I think that no matter whether you're you're less of a social person or more of a social person or you have you know you're more of an extrovert or an introvert I think that those situations are definitely something that a lot of us struggle with and definitely putting yourself and emerging yourself in them is, would, would help, um, you know, getting overcoming some of that or, or help you getting better at it, I guess you could say. Exactly. So how, how many times in your life, and I mean, I don't need an exact number, so I, I think I need to reformulate this question, but <laughs> how, many, how many times in your life would you say you faced real struggle and vulnerability, like a lot, a little, you know, is it something that you're still working on or, or, you know, like how many times so far would you say, and, you know, if you don't mind, would you share another story or two, if you have one, um, where you face some vulnerability? Yes, for sure. Uh, I don't know about the exact number yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or it's just kind of more so, uh, kind of moments or, or pit stops in, yeah. in my life in terms of, uh, number of times that I've been vulnerable. But I will tell another big story. So, and this concerns kind of the the latter half of my life so far. You know, in terms of um, kind of my journey through, you know, university uh, and looking at how my career trajectory is going to go and things like that. So, back in back in undergrad, uh, so I went to undergrad at McMaster. 
university in Hamilton and here in Canada. So back then, my one singular goal was to go to medical school. And, you know, and that was really my, the only real career trajectory I considered uh, throughout my life thus far, you know, and at that moment. And so I went to your typical science program. I did the MCAT. I did a lot of extracurriculars related to medicine. Uh, applied twice. And the closest I ever got to getting into medical school was being on the last wait list for the University of Toronto. So I was this close. <laughs> and, you know, after uh, about two years of trying that, I was like, okay, maybe medicine is not the career for me. And what was interesting was between my first and second attempts at uh, trying for medical school and applying, I went and did a one-year master's program at the University of Montreal, in Montreal, of course. <laughs> and there, because Montreal was a new city to me at the time, uh, and you know, I had no existing network in Montreal, right? save for maybe a few acquaintances that, you know, that I didn't, didn't talk to a whole lot. So I was there, uh, imagine, you know, June of 2017, it was the perfect storm, I would say, because if you recall at that time, uh, a lot of people were starting to use LinkedIn as more of a social network than just a glorified resume site. That's how you and I met. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. And of course, the perfect storm analogy is perfect in the sense because then as you know, right, the, the LinkedIn local movement was at, was uh, in its infancy, right? And so, and of course, that's, that's where I uh, first met Swish too. And for those, those of you who don't know, uh, this is Swish Goswami. So he's one of my good friends, uh, founder of TrueFans. So, you know, really, uh, really big guy on, on LinkedIn and other uh, social sites. So, but at this time, uh, he was also just, you know, really just getting, you know, uh, st uh, started on, on LinkedIn as a uh, social platform. So, and I, I was looking at one of, his, one of his posts and this was when he was back in New York City. He was like, oh, you know, first, welcome to the first uh, LinkedIn local New York City edition. And I was like, what's LinkedIn local? <laughs> and, and I was reading it. I was like, huh, this is interesting. I might need something uh, like this for Montreal. Because I'm, I would, of course, <laughs> I was also assuming that Montreal already didn't didn't have one, right? Which is probably in hindsight not a good idea. <laughs> but second of all, I was I was just eager to meet some new people, right? And to uh, you know build up my network in Montreal. And you know uh, what happened was that Anna McGaffey, uh, really the the one who started all the LinkedIn local movement uh, in Australia, you know. Uh, came in and, and said that, oh, she had a contact in Montreal who would love to do this sort of thing. And so she paired me up with uh, my good friend, John Merritt, uh, now. And so uh, he's Montreal native, you know, born and raised and currently uh, lives and works in Montreal. And, you know, and we hit it off right away in terms of, oh, you know, we, you know, love to try out this uh, new networking model, essentially, right, of, meeting local LinkedIn connections from online to offline. And so we started planning, uh, had a few coffee chats, and in November 2017, we you know, put out our first edition uh, in Montreal. And you know, it was good, it was you know, a modest start, 25 to 30 people, I believe, uh, came. Um, and you know, the La Montreal events are very bilingual because Montreal is a very bilingual city mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. So um, you know, we got, a speaker who presented in English, a speaker who presented en français, right? So it was very, uh, and, you know, it was very uh, diverse crowd in, in, in terms of, you know, in terms of the types of businesses people were running and, and working for. And so, you know, and during that year, of course, I was in a master's program in, uh, in science. And so I was doing, um, you know, research in, in the laboratory. And what I found out while doing that was I was more interested in actually going, planning and going to the LinkedIn local events than doing the science work 
at the lab. Hmm. So it was just kind of a natural realization, right? That I was just more interested in connecting with people. Uh, not to say that I don't have an interest in science anymore. I still do. Uh, but I figured out that I like to learn about science, but not necessarily doing science. And so, you know, for the rest of my uh, duration in Montreal, we put out a couple more editions of uh, LinkedIn Local Montreal. It was usually, you know, uh, you know around 30 to 40 people. Uh, we usually held it in a bar uh, downtown, uh, which is very interesting. And so we collected, you know, more team members along the way. Um, and, you know, now I, having uh, moved back here in the greater Toronto area, uh, like some local Montreal has continued to flourish. Right now they have about eight or nine uh, team members. Uh, now instead of a bar, they're doing it in a co-working space and they're being sponsored and, and, and it's great, right? And now I think they've done up to uh, eight or nine different events now. And so, yeah, and, and coming back here, um, back home essentially, uh, to the greater Toronto area, you know, I kind of missed having, you know, doing the, uh, the LinkedIn local events. Um, and of course I knew that Toronto was, you know, had their own events and, and things like that. And that's, you know, at the first one, that's where we met. Yeah, yeah, no. Quite some time ago, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> it was a very long time ago, right? And uh, relatively speaking. And so, you know, and I want to uh, kind of continue organizing these types of events. And so, um, you know, one day, uh, Bobby Umar and, and I you know, sat down for lunch and uh, we're discussing, hey, you know, why don't you come on board to discover your personal brand or DYPB, uh, which is the organization behind uh, LinkedIn Local Toronto. And, you know, I was, you know, quite excited to uh, hop on and join. So now I'm the assistant event manager, right, for DYPB. Uh, we have hosted uh, LinkedIn local events every two months or so now. Um, and, you know, it's been, it's been great. Uh, there's a lot of uh, highs and lows, definitely, uh, with everything, right? And so, especially with running logistics for an event for, you know, at least 70 to 80 people, you know, on a semi, semi-regular basis is tricky. <laughs> Uh, kind of tricky to say the least, uh, but we always pull it off. People seem to, you know, really enjoy our events, and you know, I'm just happy to help, um, you know, share kind of tidbits and, and lessons on on personal branding from the experts out there. You know, that uh, that Bobby knows, um, and so, so yeah, and you know, that's how kind of my uh, involvement with LinkedIn Local continued and. Uh, for me, it was also an opportunity for myself to keep putting myself out there, right, in terms of uh, meeting new people and, you know, really being able to, you know, connect with others, uh, help others, right, and not only their, their personal brand journey, also their, uh, their career journey, uh, you know, as well. And it has been a blast. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's, so it sounds like to me, like the vulnerability there for you um, or the situation there was the fact that sort of the, the idea you had of your life and the direction that it was supposed to go sort of fell out from underneath you. You know, you hear, here was this person who, you know, initially thought, okay, medical school. And then when that didn't necessarily work out, it was okay, then I'm going to work in the sciences. And then you got into that and then you went totally the other direction and realized, wait, no, I actually enjoy event planning. And not that you're not maybe going to get it back into some of those other industries like the sciences in, in the future, but <laughs> it's just sort of like that whole thing of like, you, you went into very unknown places, you know, compared to where you started and where you thought your trajectory, tra tra I can't speak right now. <laughs> where your trajectory. Yeah, where your trajectory was going to go. <laughs> Thanks for the help. Um, and yeah, and then you ended up here. And so, I mean, like that's, uh, I, I'm sure there's lots of people who sort of have this idea of their life and their career. And then, you know, when it doesn't go the way they think it will, they probably panic. And it seems like you were able to sort of, make somewhat of a smooth transition, but I can definitely see how that might, might've had its own struggles um, considering like well, I had this idea. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, somewhat is a bit overstated. So it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it take a lot of introspection on my part. And so part of the reason why I went to Montreal was to uh, start fresh in a new environment, help kind of clear my mind 
um, from you know the quote unquote baggage of the past. And so you know it was an opportunity for me to really sit down, think about what I wanted to do uh, with my life, what my interests were, and what you know what was what passions were aligned with me. And yeah, and then you know, and now I, you know, aside from from the event planning, uh, now I'm happy to say that I have started a new business uh, in the user experience design space, and now I'm also writing my first book on what we're just talking about <laughs> in terms of the uh, vulnerability stories. So you hear uh, a lot of uh, these stories, right, in, in a lot deeper detail uh, in my upcoming memoir. And yeah, and for me, it's just an opportunity to just give back right, to uh, others who may be going through the same thing or who have gone through the same thing or who knows someone who is going through the same thing. Uh, and so for me, you know, right now, the work that I'm doing, I'm very much interested in aiming for impact you know, rather than uh, the bottom line. No, definitely. Um, so how would you say that all of these different situations and, and to figuring all these things out, how would you say that all of it has helped you get to where you are now and making the decisions and, and going towards the, the path that you're, you're headed? How would you say all those, those, those situations that you faced in the path, uh, past, the, the speaking in front of people, the getting over your, your sort of anxieties about networking and socializing, um, how would you say getting through all of that has helped you get to where you are now? For sure. I think that, you know, the culmination of all these collective experiences has really helped me to, A, be more comfortable right, in being un uncomfortable, as we mentioned before. Uh, but second of all, it's helped with my confidence uh, in terms of, you know, really improving my, my self-esteem, my self-image, right? And not to say that I won't have kind of my, my down periods in the sense that, oh, you know, I may not think of myself as highly as others think of me, right? And so uh, those periods do happen, but, you know, really learn to uh, bounce back from those and really, you know, present myself as uh, someone um, who, you know, really just just comfortable and and comfortable in their own skin right to be you know able to uh, face every day with a smile as much as possible and say that I can you know tackle this day um, really seize the day of course uh, as as the old term goes right carp diem and you know really you know take it day by day um, and and also look towards the future with uh, optimism. Sounds, uh, sounds like, <laughs> sounds like it helped a lot <laughs> in terms of, you know, overcoming all those things in your past, uh, are helping you be a lot quicker at overcoming the, the struggles of now. So it's good. Yes, it's good that you learned something. I mean, not everybody does. Some people just continue to sort of struggle or have those anxieties and, you know, don't get to where they want to go or don't do the things they want to do. So I'm glad that you were able to sort of look at them and, and retrospect and figure out, you know, that this can help me, um, moving forward. So would you say that at this point, and I mean, I, I you know, from the sounds of it, you've still got stuff going on and, and you've still got lots more to come in the future, but would you say that you found um, what you would consider success and fulfillment in life? Or would you say you're still uh, on your journey towards that? Uh, the latter. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I'm still very early career, uh, you know, relative to most people uh, in this world. So, you know, if you just, you know, fresh, uh, fresh recent grad from university, right, with a master's degree now in tow, right? And so for me, I think I'm just getting started, right? And, uh, and in terms of, you know, being successful and, and being fulfilled and things like that, I'm optimistic that those will come, you know, in the relatively near future. Uh, and so, um, yeah, I'm still, you know, on my journey. I haven't reached my destination, but hey, I'm enjoying the journey. And some people may say that they enjoy the journey more than the destination, if there is, even is a destination, right, at the end. Of course, you know, life can be just a continuous journey, right? And there may not be a 
you know, predefined uh, stop it or end, end point juncture. No, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, the one thing that I've heard from a lot of other guests is that, you know, it really depends on how you define success. Right. That's and right. so your point there is very good in the fact is very, it makes sense in terms of the fact that, you know, maybe there isn't actually uh, success to reach and, 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 you know, again, your opinion and everybody's opinion of what that is, is going to be different. But I, I like what you had to say there in terms of the fact that maybe there isn't a destination, maybe it's just a continuous journey. And there's definitely one way to look at it. Uh, so I've got a couple more questions. Um, this this is sort of the, I guess, the last uh, like formal question. <laughs> you okay. know, there's a lot of things that people can take away from this episode if they listen back to it um, and and just, you know, different uh, um, keys that you that, that might be able to help them overcome their own anxieties, their own struggles, their own vulnerabilities. But what I like to get from each guest is what are three key takeaways that you would give to somebody? If somebody were to come to Godwin right now and say, hey, man, I need some advice you know, here's what I'm dealing with. What three key pieces of advice would you give them to help them overcome their own struggles and their own vulnerabilities? For sure. And so three pieces of advice, uh, and they're all inextricably linked together, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, overcoming vulnerabilities and, and, and struggles and things like that. So I'll list them out first, and then I'll go into each one of them in greater detail. So the first one is just start. Second one is start small. Third one is small to big. So and now you can see why they're all uh, yeah, kind yeah. Of together. <clears throat> so uh, just start, of course, <laughs> is, the, is the kind of movement that you, that you helped start. So um, got up to everyone who uh, is not very familiar, you know, just start is, is kind of a mantra in the sense that, you know, it, it, it's a call to action, basically, right? If you want to, you know, really overcome your struggles, your vulnerabilities, right? Take the first steps now, right? And just uh, actively start working, you know, on overcoming it. Whether you know, it doesn't have to be you know a gigantic, you know, leap for humanity if you're you know the first person on the moon or something. But you know, just you know, a small step for mankind is fun. <laughs> and um, so whether that be, hey, you know, just. Uh, going out to a Toastmasters event or, uh, you know, uh, tagging along with your friend who's, you know, walking a dog if you're afraid of dogs, right? Or, <laughs> you know, whatever, it, you know, it can be just for a, a simple mind shift, right? Or say like, oh, hey, I should just wake up an hour earlier each day in order to, you know, have five minutes for five to 10 minutes for meditation and the rest of the time to go to the gym, right? So just uh just simple kind of actions or or mindset shifts you know uh continuously you know day after day would really help right it, you know if uh you're not feeling good about one aspect of life or another um of course i think like i did uh kind of merge one and two together now but you know just start comes along with starting small right yeah. <laughs> scanning uh what you know one or two stop uh small steps going um and you know you know and and again habits are you know not formed within a day a week or two or months or what you know habits are formed over kind of continuous uh periods of time right and what i like to say is when basically when ha when habits become routine is essentially an indispensable part of your life. So say, for example, if you want to track your calories, right, using, uh, using an app or something, right? At the beginning, you have to really make a conscious effort and say, okay, you know, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I'm really, you know, counting my calories and tracking exactly what I want to eat. Um, and, you know, no matter where you are, it doesn't matter if you're at home, work, you know, in the gym, uh, outside at a fancy restaurant, like <laughs> you just have to do it. Right. But, uh, you know, sooner or later, if you find yourself, you know, really consistently tracking your calories or your macros, then it just becomes a part of your life. It's like, Oh, I don't have to think about pulling up my phone and tracking my calories it is what I just have to do. Right. It's a part of me. Now I can't get rid of it. Uh, and so that's really the crux of my, you know, third piece of advice from, you know, from small to big, 
right, is really, uh, really forming those kind of um, daily routines and, and habits that will help you, you know, if not, if not overcoming struggles and vulnerabilities, uh, definitely mitigating them. And so, uh, yeah, those are the three pieces of advice I would give. Uh, very simple, very uh, easy to remember, in my opinion. So just start. Uh, actually, you can actually kind of smash them together. Just start, <laughs> just start small to big. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean, that's, I, I, I thank you for uh, sort of, I guess, um, giving me some a shout out for that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I started that movement, but it was definitely some great advice that I got from a friend. And, and, and you know, I talked about this, I think, on an episode a couple of days ago, um, where I said sort of the same thing was, you know, when you, you can't know what's going to happen or you can't predict the future. So your best bet is to just start, you know, I've had people say to me, Oh, I'm afraid of, if I start a business, I'm going to fail. And I've said to them, well, how do you know if you're going to fail? If you never start, you're, you're making an assumption that has no merit behind it. So I, I think what you shared there is key. Just start, start small and then small to big. Um, because I think if you were to just start with the biggest and craziest action, you'd probably fail a lot quicker and then you'd be a lot more discouraged and then you'll never get to the small to big part. So That's definitely right. a good way of looking at it and, and makes, makes a lot of sense. So the last thing uh, I like to do um, for all my guests, because I don't, I, obviously I want you to share your stories and I want to, uh, you know, have people learn from this, but I also want to give you an opportunity to promote anything that you've got going on that you want people to know about or provide ways that people can connect with you because maybe they want to know more about your story or maybe they feel like you can help them more. So floor is yours promote whatever you like and uh, go ahead perfect uh great so um i'm you know i'm currently on a bazillion different types of social networks because i'm personally i'm personally interested in community building uh right now so you know just wherever kind of online but um i will you know give kind of where i am uh most frequently so you know i i'm you can find me uh, on first on LinkedIn. Uh, so it's just you know, linkedin.com uh, slash Godwin Chan 37 uh, is where you can find me. So, um, you know, or you can just search Godwin Chan in the search bar box and you can usually find me. Um, with a bow tie now and um, it has DYPD in the title. So that, that's very, uh, very easy. And in fact, all my social media kind of uh, profile pictures are now with me in the new profile picture with my uh, with my bow tie and and suit and things like that. So it was for my uh, actually it was my gift for my uh, photographer friend. He's pretty good at uh, doing headshot photography, you know, in the Toronto area. Uh, but anyways, you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, it's also Godwin Chan thirty seven uh, medium as well. Godwin Chan dot godwin.chan37 for media. Um, and I've actually published my, the first chapter of my upcoming memoir that I've, I've mentioned before uh, on Medium. So, you know, give it a read, let me know what you think. And, uh, you know, let me know if you'd like to, um, you know, get the full book later. Uh, but otherwise, kind of my more less professional quote unquote and more personal uh, accounts are definitely you can find me on Instagram on G underscore protein. Now I have a little story on this. Uh, so back in <laughs> second year, second year of uh, undergraduate uh, studies at McMaster, uh, I was in a cell biology class with my, you know, I, I have I had a bunch of uh, good friends, of course, uh, in that in the biochemistry program. And so we were learning about uh, G proteins, right, and G protein coupled receptors, and and so, it, it, you know, these are very important in uh, dealing with different uh, signaling cascades in in our cells, and it helps with um, you know, a whole host of bodily functions, which I won't get into <laughs> right now. But and when, you know, and so one of my nicknames became G protein. <laughs> so I I just took it, and you know, uh, and when I was making my Instagram account, I was like. Oh, why not? <laughs> Let, you know, let's just use it. Um, you know, I, I think it was much better than the op other option, which was Commissioner Gordon. But <laughs> hey, that's cool too. I mean, if I want to be part of the uh, Batman universe, but 
<laughs> and and yeah, sorry, it was very. And uh, yeah, and on Facebook, I am Godwin H S Chan. Uh, H S is just my middle uh, name initials. Uh, if you want to be friendly on Facebook, and yeah, and last but not least, of course, uh, I am starting a new company in uh, the user experience design space. Like I mentioned, it's called Motif Insights. Our um, our landing page right now is a you know, it's just a landing page. If you know, you're interested in learning more, you can uh, contact me on, on LinkedIn and, or any of the other social platforms, and I'd be happy to uh, get you signed up and uh, talk more about that. Awesome. Sounds good. And, you know, it's, I was probably smiling or, or laughing a bit when you're telling the G Protein story because I didn't even know that. I've seen your name on Instagram a bunch, and I've always kind of wondered, um, but never asked. And, and, you know, but that's a, <laughs> it's a cool little story and, and a great way uh, of, of explaining that. And, yeah, it's funny where we, uh, where we sort of get things from and where we get nicknames from sometimes. So, <laughs> exactly. you know, uh, I just want to thank you again. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I know these short st- stories aren't easy for people to share, but you know, the hope here, like I said uh, a couple of times during the episode is that, you know, we we're able to inspire people to overcome their own struggles, overcome their own vulnerabilities. And, and I think your story will definitely help quite a few people just in the fact that I think it's extremely relatable. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that struggle with things like social anxiety and, um, you know, just their own, uh, uh, I think you mentioned like self-worth, uh, as well as just, you know, just being uncomfortable. Right. And so I, I really appreciate you sharing all that and putting yourself out there and, uh, yeah. Um, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. It was my pleasure of being, uh, and so one last thing I wanted to mention is that this is my, uh, first podcast actually. Oh, uh, wow. Well. <laughs> so uh, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you for letting me be the first. And, uh, you know, hopefully it'll be the first of many. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Vulnerable Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps get the word out and means more than you know. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching Vulnerable Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at the B-E-L-M-E-D-A, that's the B-E-A-L-M-E-I-D-A, or by searching my name on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, please let me know as I would love to interview them for the show. I appreciate you taking the time to listen and see you next week.